0: Today's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Warnings from Israel's history. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples, and were written down as warnings for us, on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you, except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out, so that you can endure it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Okay. Can you hear me? Good. Good. Let's just pray together before we start, shall we? Lord, we have just heard that passage, which is full of warnings, but there are also some promises there. So, Lord, would you help us to take those warnings seriously, to see where they apply to us, but also to know that we have a God who is good and who has laid his hand upon us and invested in us and will bring us through to glory. So, Lord, would you help us to get a right balance as we consider this word. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, some of you may know that um, my great love beyond church is history. And um, I uh, studied history uh, for as long as I could. I teach history a bit. And this uh, passage, I'm sure Tom gave it to me because the word history was in the title. Um, Warnings from history. Now, um, Churchill, I think it was, quoted this this word. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it you think you agree with that? Certainly a lot of the things that are happening in the world, particularly to do with Ukraine, have that sense of déjà vu around them, don't they? They have that sense of, um, here we go again. Those of us who lived through the Cold War feel that sense of, uh-oh, here we go again. Now, Paul sees the events of the Old Testament as warnings and examples to us, and in the first part of this passage, he uses the story of the people of Israel and their journey through the desert to the promised land as an example and a warning to the church in Corinth. Corinth. And I think it is recorded here in this letter as a warning to us as well. So, Here's the scene. For those of you who don't know Exodus, this is um, Deuteronomy and uh, no, Exodus, De- Numbers, Deuteronomy. In two seconds, right? Um, God's people had been slavery in a foreign in, in slavery in a foreign land, and they cried out to God to be rescued. And God did just that. He gathered them together. He gave them a leader and an escape route. He overcame and defeated all the forces that would stop them. He led them through the desert to a promised land, a land filled with milk and honey, he said. And in the process of doing that, he did some amazing things. He sent plagues on their captors to secure their freedom. He called and gave courage to a man to lead them. He divided the sea so they'd be able to cross it safely. He he led them day and night by cloud and by fire so they wouldn't get lost in the desert. And he provided daily heavenly food and drink to keep them healthy. Now Paul says to the church in Corinth, these people were like us. So much of what God did for them, he has done for us. It is a parallel story. We too have been brought from slavery to freedom. We too have someone to follow and to nourish us along the way. And I'm thinking here of Christ, the rock of ages. And we follow one who is greater than Moses. We too are heading for the promised land and that is not just something that we might see after death, but something that God is building around us, the kingdom of God that he is building around us. This church community here and every group of God's people is meant to be a pilot plant, a taster of what the promised land looks like. So, look around at these people. Is this a taster of what the promised land is going to be? Or what heaven might be like? So, if we are like them in so many ways, if we're like those people in so many ways, says Paul, let's not make the same mistakes. Because, in spite of everything they received, Here is the response of God's people in the desert. Do you want to put that on the screen? Idolatry, sexual immorality, arrogance, and grumbling. I think Paul thought the church in Corinth was doing all those things. Which one of those do you think most applies to us? I might be guessing arrogance and grumbling, but perhaps I don't know about the idolatry and the sexual (laughs) immorality. Don't be like them, says Paul. Don't start worshipping other things and forget about the God who saved you. That's what idolatry is. Don't feed your sexual appetite in places that God has forbidden you to go. Because there's usually a very good reason why he's forbidden you to go there. Don't despise all the goodness that God has given you and start shouting and demanding other things. And don't grumble so much about the things you don't like that it causes division and unrest in the people of God. So those are the warnings. And I think they do apply to us as much as they did to the people of Israel thousands of years ago and to the church at Corinth. This warning seems to cover two areas of our lives, our attitudes and our behavior, and I think those are both linked. As the people of Israel traveled on, they forgot how God had saved them. They started looking back to a false and rose-tinted memory of all they felt they had left behind. They were looking back And not forward to what God had promised them. Despising what God had given them and the manna, the heavenly food that He gave them every day. And if you want an example of that, um, go home and look at Numbers 11, where there is almost a riot because they are desperate for cucumbers. All right? Why don't you give us cucumbers, Lord? We need cucumbers. So God gives them manna from heaven and water along the way, and they need something else. This attitude took them away from following God and led on to their bad behavior. They tried to replace God with something else to worship, something that they could control. They were grumbling and gossiping, and co- that caused division. They allowed themselves to be attracted to other things, just the things that God had warned them against, such as sex with fertility prostitutes, and that led them into worshipping pagan gods and turning away from the God who had saved them. In each case, their bad behavior, um, the bad behavior of a few, led to consequences for everybody, for the whole people of God. And I don't think we like to think like that, do we? We like to think that whatever we do in our own homes, in our own rooms, in our own minds, well, that won't affect anyone else, will it? But these passages say it does. Paul has already said in chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians that sinful attitudes can spread like yeast in dough and affect a whole church. And we know that's true. Uh, In the media generally at the moment, there's an awful lot about toxic cultures in workplaces. That often starts with a few and spreads. And we know that the church itself has been affected by this, by a few people who abused children and gave such reputational damage to the whole of the church. So there is a warning here. Look at what happened to the people in the time of Exodus. Don't make their mistakes and learn from them. That's part one, all right? All right you feel yourself warned? Good. We now get to more the promise side of this. The second half of this passage is much more personal, um, but it's also more hopeful, and it includes those wonderful promises from God. So I'm going to read it again. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. That word is exodus in the Greek. A way out so that you can endure it. Now, the word that is translated temptation in this passage could also mean testing. Um, It seems to have a bit of both in it, temptation and testing. It is that same word that um, the translators have struggled to translate in the Lord's Prayer. So we've had various versions in my lifetime. We've had lead us not into temptation, and we've also had do not bring us to the time of trial. Temptation and testing in one word. Now we usually see temptation as something that comes from the devil. Uh, He is called the tempter in the Bible and we know that he tempted Jesus in Matthew 4 but I'm guessing we might look at that on Ash Wednesday so I'm not going to mention more about that. But it's about the That passage is about the devil trying to lure Jesus into sin to draw him away from God. And that's what we understand by temptation as well. But I think the meaning here could be a bit broader and include all those situations that test us and may cause us to doubt the goodness of God. Ill health. Bereavement. Disappointments money troubles you might add other things that you think are tests into there now hear this to be tempted or tested is not a sin it's not a sin to be tempted it is the experience of us all we all go through times of testing we all have times when we are tempted to disobey God, to doubt God, to deny God, to go our own way and not his. And even Jesus, as we saw, knew this. Not only that time in the desert when he was tempted by the devil, but also that testing time right at the end in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he struggled with what God was asking of him. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews says this, and this is the message version. We don't have a great high priest, a saviour God, who is out of touch with our reality. Jesus has been through weakness and testing. He has experienced it all, yet he did not sin. So let's walk right up to him. And get what he is so ready to give. Take his mercy and accept his help. So I want to, um, for the, the time I've got left, I want to just go through three tips from this passage, really, about how to deal with temptation. And my first one, and I'm really glad that some of the prophetic words sort of spoke into this. My first one was bring whatever it is out into the light. Bring whatever is in darkness that might be festering in darkness out into the light. Can I tell you uh, something of my experience, and this isn't really a victory story, at least not in the beginning. Um, As some of you know, I was a librarian for many years. And one of the libraries I worked in had a big underground basement and in the basement was the stack um, which were the older books that we didn't have out on the open shelves and as part of the stack there was something that we called the naughty shelf. A selection of books thought to be too sexually explicit to go out on the open shelves. And I must say, as I say this, it sounds really old fashioned now because anything goes now, but um, this was a little while ago. Now, over many years, for me, working in the basement became a place of temptation. I would often be there on my own, and I wasn't likely to be interrupted, and if I did, there were places to hide. And there were things on that shelf, on that naughty shelf, that both attracted me and repelled me in equal measure. And this often led for me to a rather destructive cycle. Me feeling weak, attracted to and then reading what I felt I shouldn't have read, feeling polluted and ashamed dirty and then feeling i couldn't come to god and just thinking i was a complete fraud as a christian and condemning myself now your temptations may be completely different because temptation is not all about sex although we often sort of think like that we all have different weak spots at different times in our lives and I'm guessing that that particular temptation wouldn't be as powerful for me now. But it is important that each of us knows ourselves, especially if there are patterns in your life that continually seem to drag you down and drag you away from God. Your equivalent of my naughty shelf might involve a time of day, when you often feel susceptible, a place that you often find difficult, a relationship or a group of people that you know are wrong for you. And as we know well, nowadays those places of temptation can be real or they can be online. Now, you may be better at saying no to your temptations than I was in that instance. And if so, hallelujah, give thanks for that. But if there is a dark area like this that you often, often takes you away from God, bring it into the light. And we're going to give you a chance to do that in this service. Um, and it just could be a first step for you. It won't be anything that requires you to reveal anything embarrassing to everyone else, but an opportunity to acknowledge your weak spots, your temptations, your recurrent sins, and to lay them before the cross. And if you want to go further and you think confidential prayer would be appropriate for you, there will also be an opportunity for that. So bring it into the light. Secondly, ask God for help. Here's God's promise in this passage. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. And there are four extraordinary things in that one short statement. Whatever we do, God is faithful. He never gives up on us. He knows how much we can bear. He has power to limit what happens to us. And he has resources to give us, to get us through times of trouble. And one of the resources I want to mention, especially because I think it's important, is scripture. Jesus counted the devil. Every time the devil came to him to tempt him, he counted it with the word of God. So use scripture to help you battle in times of temptation. And if that means post-it verses around your house, if that means stuff stuck on your fridge, if that means having reminders on your phone of useful verses, whatever helps you. Songs can help you. Have songs that you can, uh, based on scripture, that you can go to. And thirdly, look for God's way of escape. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out, a way of escape, so you can endure it. So if you recognize a situation in your life that is harming your relationship with God, you have a choice to make and a chance to change. To turn away from that and to turn back to God. The thing that is drawing you away may may not be particularly bad in itself. But you know it is bad for you. You might recognise that a change in lifestyle or regular habits will provide a way of escape. A way out of this for you. For me, with the naughty shelf, I think... God intervened. He knew I couldn't do that on my own. Soon after, I recognised what a a recurring problem this was for me. That library was closed for refurbishment for a whole year. And when it reopened, guess what? The naughty shelf and its contents were all gone. I did go and look for them, as you gather. (laughs) But it was all gone. And I breathed a sigh of relief. And you may need to get rid of something to give you that sense of freedom. Okay, we've covered quite a lot of ground. And it's time when we come to um, a time of response, really. So, would you like to close your eyes? I want to give you some time and space to identify what God is saying to you today. Is there an area of your life you are keeping from him that often draws you away from God? Are there recurring areas of weakness and temptation for you. So, I'm just going to lead us in prayer. Lord, we want to use this time to say sorry and to turn back to you. God says, I am faithful, I will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, I will provide a way of escape so that you can endure it. So, Lord, we want to bring to you today all those areas of darkness in our lives. We want to ask your forgiveness. We may need to ask somebody else's forgiveness. You may need to forgive yourself for letting God down. Would the um, music team like to come up while we're, we're going to sing? There's going to be two opportunities for you to respond. One is, um, there are here some stones, and if you feel that there is something in your life that this stone might represent, something that has been drawing you away from God, and you'd like to give it to God, please place it on the carpet, the yellow carpet. So come up, take a stone, place it, and use that time to pray that God will take that away from you. But if you feel that you need more prayer or if you have come specifically because um, you want prayer for healing, there will be people at the back who can pray for you. So let's move into that time of response and see where God takes us.
2: I just want to speak the name of Jesus, till every dark edition starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom, I speak Jesus. Your name is power Your name is healing Your name is life Break every stronghold Shine through the shadows Burn like a fire I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every hole held captive by depression I seek Jesus 'cause your name is power. Your name is healing Your name is life Break every stronghold Shine through the shadows Burn like a fire Shout Jesus from the mountains Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name. Jesus. Your name is high. stronghold shine through the shadows burn like a fire your name your Your name is power your name shadows burn like a fire I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your prayers.
1: So there's still time to come up if you want to, there's still time to ask for prayer at the back, but we're going to stand and sing, Jesus be the centre. Use this to give yourself to God again. She Jan, if she'll just come off and pray over these stones and what they represent and ask that we be cut free from them.
3: Am I on? Can you put me on, please? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that when we lay things Down at the foot of your cross, you see our hearts. And as it says in uh, uh, Ephesians 1, verse 7, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his Son and forgave our sins. And we thank you that we're all forgiven. And we just cover these stones, which represent our pain, our wounding, our disappointment, our wretchedness sometimes, our defilement. Lord, they represent those things. And we cover the stones, and that means in us, with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, And Lord, now in the name of Jesus, I just ask that you would cut all of us free in the name of Jesus. We just ask that uh, we use the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, to sever us from this stuff that is represented at the foot of your cross. And now we just ask for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us, And Lord, may your light shine in us. And may we shine in the darkness of the world. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a final hymn now. Which I think reflects that desire to... Go out, resolved to live for God and to seek his strength to fulfill those promises that we